I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Another management casualty. And thankfully, this week, we've got plenty of fuel in the tank. It's a time to start episode 22 of the Premier Non-League Podcast. The Premier Non-League Podcast. Good evening, boys and girls. Well, I say boys, not girls. I don't know who's girly in here. I don't know who's ever had a girl on here. But um, Trev, guys, how are we doing tonight, guys? You all right? The Southerners? Yes, good. All good, thank you. And the Northerner, Chris, you all right, mate? How are we doing? Okay, thank you. Not good bad to see. Me. Pete's on a date night tonight, so um, he's been all lovey-dovey, which yeah, I think he is a softy deep down, but he's uh, he's using it as an excuse to get out of this one tonight, which I'm surprised because uh, we've got a lot to cover tonight um, in the next hour or so. Um, management casualties, um, politically correctness stuff, referee stuff, um, moves and FA Cups and trophies. It's all it's all going off in non-league, but we haven't had any postponements, thankfully, for a while. Um, it's annoyed me, guys, though, because of these postponements and like, Worthing's lack of um, progress in Cups. It's cost me like a couple of opportunities for me to see football this month on a limited limited chance. So it is frustrating. We've missed it. I don't even think Trev's gone to any over the last couple of weeks. I know you've been to Barnet on Saturday, didn't you? Yeah, I went to Dover Saturday, didn't yeah, I? So, yeah, so yeah, you, you got something. Chaps, um, I mean, Chris, it's been, been all right up north for you, hasn't it? Because of uh, you haven't had these Muppets eating up all the fuel. Um, but it's not, not a good result for Shields on Saturday, though, was it? Well, it's been, um, yeah, we've had all the games that we've been scheduled to play. We've played, we've got one point, one point out of a possible nine, so it's been positively disastrous. So you wish there had been a postponement for a few more then? Not at all, not at all. Um, and in other news, I guess you're the, definitely the poorer club of the North East now, um, with the Magpies uh, getting all excited over their Premier League winning ambitions now. Yes, uh, to be fair, and to be quite honest, I, I haven't really watched much or read much about it I've got no. no interest at all uh, that kind of that kind of level of football is kind of passing me by at yeah. this moment um, not just because it's Newcastle no. but just that level uh, it's just not not part of my not part of my um, it's not on my radar at the moment it's, it's kind of one of those things though it's, it's um, a lot of I mean it makes me laugh that all the other 19 clubs are apparently all peed off with it and it shouldn't have been approved but then you've got clubs like City in there you've got like how, how are they even allowed to even say anything like that you know look where they were when they got take over look at Chelsea and you know all that but it's again it's how expensive it's coming and you know for a fact they'll improve the ground the prices will go up even more and you know they'll and if they don't start getting results they'll start calling for those owners out like they always do absolutely I, you know they're, they're in the relegation zone and um you know, we were coming up towards not too far away from the January transfer window, but you know they're never going to get Champions League football next year. So you, the, the players who they might have attracted will want Champions League football. So, so what well, you mean they're not getting Mbappe? Mbappe? Because uh, I thought that was a given. <laughs> well, it's a nailed uncertainty, isn't it? Um, yeah. Uh, the problem is it's it, it's it, it's how you entice footballers to come to the northeast of England. So it's not London. It's not Manchester. It's not the Northwest. 
it's the northeast and historically it's been difficult to get people to the northeast um so they're probably really going to have to burst the bank well i suppose i say burst the bank probably put a little bit of a pin in a massive cushion um and pay way way over the odds to get mm. the players they want but again as i say i'm not too not too bothered about it really nah. let, let them it, get on with it i think the difference is with this one is that people expect it results imminently Mm. Um, and it's not uh, Man City. What was it? Was it 15, 10 years ago? Fifteen years ago? Mm-hmm. Can't remember. Yeah, but so there wasn't a sort of outrage on social media as much back then. So you know they had a bit more time. But I can imagine if they don't start getting results imminently, they'll um they'll be uh, kicking off big time. They'll probably end up with like you know the management merry-go-round that we see at Watford. You know, oh, that's a joke um, as well. Yeah, but it just kind of what's going on. It just reaffirms my desire for non-league football honest football well i was going to say it does it does give us that that's one of the main reasons why us us four here at least uh, we all support you know obviously league clubs and you know we do follow professional football on the tv but you know it gives you that natural love for it because you know i've said many times charlton were in the premier league for you know for the majority of the t- 2000s and um it was actually it was starting to get expensive towards the end of it but christ like I, i'd hate to think how much it will be if we end up getting back there again i mean you know, trevor you've seen with being a spurs fan at, you know the tottenham stadium you know how expensive tickets are there even for the tours and you no know, lovely stadium i know got to pay it back somehow but you know gone are the sort of things which is why we're down at this level and we enjoy it so much We've harped on, haven't we, the last couple of weeks about you know clubs pricing sensibly to get to get fans in and attendance levels being really good at at these levels. You know, you, you would hope as well that maybe the effects of the last 16, 17 months have pushed people down a little bit and you know they're going where they can afford to go, but they're actually putting more money into these clubs because they probably would have spent it out Premier League club, but they're getting a better return. You know, well, for their pound notes. You don't need to talk to me about pricing because I'm pretty sure you've heard enough about it the last few weeks. And yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm apparently not in, I'm not in people's good books apparently. So there we go. Well, just to really, really compound matters, the happy hours are back in at South Shields as well. So hey. there you go, mate. There you go. Did they listen and hear it and stuff like that? Because uh, <laughs> it's certain. Um, well, I'm not going to get into it because it's a bit of a touchy subject. Uh, so anyway, we, so not only are the programs being dropped in price. Happy hours are in. So, uh, it, it's brilliant because, it, I mean, when, when are they doing the happy hours? Um, an hour before the game. And yeah. so it's normally 1.30 to 2.30, I think. And then it was it was between five and six. But on Saturday, it was between either 6.45 and 7.45 or 7.45 because of the England game. So there So there you go. Food for thought. Food for four, indeed. Yeah, I mean, fair play to uh, South Shields for that. Um, but let's get back to it. We've had a bit more, um, bit more. We'll go back to South Shields and their performances and all the local stuff in a little bit. But so first kill a couple of weeks ago. Now Phil Brown. So the, at R, the big names cut out for non-league football because it's seeming. I don't really think, as Trev said earlier on WhatsApp, well, to me on WhatsApp, has there been many like managers that have made it at this level? from being a big-name manager recently because Phil Brown and Southend are having an absolute mare right now. I, I don't Phil think Brown. it was right to come back last year to try and stop him going down. Um, he's got, you know, Phil Brown's got a good reputation in the game right the way up to 
managing Hull in the um, in the Premier League and that infamous team talk he did on the on the pitch one one afternoon. Um, oh, funny enough, I was having a chat with a couple of other people on on um, on on Twitter this morning about you know club legends going back to clubs, um, thinking they can you know almost be the um, you know the save savior, the messiah, and then end up tarnishing the memory that you've got of them because it all goes peaked on. And I thought Brown would actually step away in the summer when he couldn't keep him up. Um, because um, I think, you know, maybe some of it was tongue in cheek, but a lot of their fans in the um, National League group I'm in on Facebook thought they were going to absolutely walk it. Um, and, um, you know, you look at Barnet, you look at Chesterfield, you take Wrexham. Wrexham, 14, 13, 14 years at this level, they've been able to get up. Barney Chesterfield came down together, what did we come down about three, four years ago? And neither of us yet have shown these signs of, of, of going back up. It is that tough to get out of. And you've got to have the metal to be able to do it at this level. And just because you're a name in the game means absolutely nothing these days. Yeah, I think there's a lot of a lot of things wrong at South End at the moment. Anyway, I mean, from um, someone that I know um, support his girlfriend support South End, and she was saying last season, like I mean, there's no surprise they went down, and and they obviously massively kicked off. What was it? They were trying to get a reprieve for something about getting relegated last season. They were doing. Yeah, they, they were, were, weren't they? Yeah, I can't remember what it was. They were trying to talk about legal action. Yeah, well, or something. yeah, their man grooms. We were both gonna kick off weren't they? I think it was because um there was no relegation out of, out of the National League into the yeah. North and South. They didn't think they should have no clutching at straws. Yeah, yeah, but, very but, much so. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a tough league, but what what's gone so wrong for Phil Brown? Because he is, as you say, a well respected manager. I mean, I I always remember his dressing down of the players at Hull when they were in the Premier League uh, all those years ago and like marching finger pointing at them on the pitch at half time when they're playing poor. But what's what is it so wrong? Because how are the players they've got, how are they not performing? Us, well, I, I thought their summer recruitment wasn't too bad. Um, you know, the players have signed Reese Murphy from from Yeovil um, is a, is a twenty goal a season striker. Um, James Dunn, who a lot of people didn't like at Barnet last year, but um, you know, I, I I quite like him for the job he does, and he does do just a simple job: sits in front of the back four, screens it, plays the pass out. That's all he does. He's not a box to box midfielder. Um, you know, and I thought a fairly decent signing. A couple of others they made as well. But in some of these games, you've got to go horses for courses. You can't pick the same 11, the same formation, play the same way and expect to win games all the way through. The, the, the likes of James Rowe, what he's doing up at up at Chesterfield, Luke um, Garrard at Boreham Wood and, um, and also Daryl McMahon at, at Dagenham, although they're having a bit of a blip. You, don't, you, you can't always pick the same 11 to go out not just because you've got players with um, injuries and stuff like that, but, you know, there is um, th- there is different ways that you win games in the National League. And I don't think, I don't think Phil Brown could find a way to do it. I know he changed it up last Tuesday against Eastleigh and picked up three points. Um, and then again, this weekend, I know they had Chesterfield at home, who are, you know, pretty phenomenal, I think. One of my tips for the title anyway. Um but, but they just blew him away, um, you know. And again, you've got to, you've just got to look at uh, who you are and how you set up. It's not the football league, um, you know, and you go to places. No disrespect to Altrincham, Altrincham's, the Wokings and the Dovers of this world. You don't get those kind of stadiums in the football league, but you've got to go there. You've got to mix it. And that's how you've got to get results. 
It's funny though because um, it's like you look at teams like Hartlepool, as Chris would be quite aware of them being in the northeast. You know, they they sort of went down. They didn't get out obviously for a long time until this season. The playoffs just gone. Um, you just look throughout the football spectrum. Um, people do take teams for granted. You see how hard it is. You look at how many teams are sort of former Premier League teams are stuck in League One. You know, it's yeah. just people take it for granted. They think, oh, they'll be back up next season. Something goes peak on and it don't work. You have to. Have, you know, it, when you go down levels, you have to regroup. Um, it's diff- probably different styles of play. Um, and in terms of Phil Brown, he's, you know, if, if you remember, he's from the Sam Allardyce school. And uh, I think the same could be said for Sam Allardyce when you say, well, maybe their style is a little bit outdated. You know, the game evolves a little. And if your style of play doesn't move with the involvement, you can be left behind slightly. Maybe that's it. Yeah. Maybe Phil was slightly, maybe he's been slightly naive thinking that he would automatically be good enough for that level. Um, who knows? But it, um, the irony is Phil is a South Shields lad. You know, he, he grew up yards from where I'm speaking to you from this evening. So um uh, he's well known around these parts. Who knows? He could be your manager in the future. He's he seems to be dropping and dropping, <laughs> but then you're rising and rising. So by the time we look for a new manager, oh, here we go. We'll be in. Manager. We'll be in the championship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. Um, do, you, do you think? Sorry. Do you think Phil Brown would have gone in the summer if it hadn't have been for COVID and the lack of fans in grounds and that sort of thing? Maybe. No, no, I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, I think he he, he could have walked away. I, I think he had something like six six to eight games last year. I think to save them, it wasn't it wasn't many. They were pretty much gone anyway. It was like a little bit the last throw of the dice. And I think it was a bit of a um, uh, what's their owner Ron Ron Martin? Is it? Um, you know, I think it's the last throw of the dice of someone that the fans know, respect, and uh, and that. And I think um, you know him dragging the club down off the pitch as well. And being that maybe a little bit naive that you need someone that's going to, you know, work that level and keep him Phil Brown. I think he's, you know, I don't, you know, maybe, he, um, you know, Martin as well hasn't, hadn't helped by going right, you know, fresh broom, absolutely everyone out. We start again rather than keeping with the same. And, you know, I can, um, you can look at a couple of the other clubs as well when they've gone, you know, when they've come down, it's worked for Grimsby, they kept Paul Hurst, they're flying high at the top end of the table, but, you know, off the pitch, they're in a better shape than what South End are. But Chesterfield, you know, prime example. I think Jack Lester was there when they no, he wasn't when they came down. It was Ian Ian Everett who then went to Barrow and took Barrow back up the other way while Chesterfield almost went out the other end. Um, so, but it'd be interesting to see who they who they get in. Um, Stan Collymore's offered his services for free today, and oh, yeah, I did put on Twitter another person that. You know, great, he's a club legend, but he, again, he doesn't know the level, um, you know, and, you know, what's he going to what's he going to bring to the table? Is he going to be any better than having Phil Brown? You know, there's plenty of managers out there that know this level, that, need, that, that can stabilise the ship at the very least, um, you know. Just having, a, just having a look at the odds on the next Barnet, and the next uh, South End manager, and Darren Curry is evens. Yeah. No, oh, yeah, Trev's friend. Well, he, he, lives, he lives. He lives down the road from Southend as well. 
Um, do you, have, you, have you had any top tips? You've been in touch with him. I mean, obviously, he probably wouldn't. He'd keep his class close to his chest. Well, <laughs> I said to him Saturday, I said, "Where are you going? South End Chesterfield?" And he went, "No, that'd be too obvious." Obviously, with what was going on, um, but I, I expected him to go to that literally to catch up with um, Scott Loach, the Chesterfield goalkeeper, who, who he had at Barnet, and I know they speak quite regularly as well. Um, obviously, Brown got the sack straight after the game Saturday, but um, I know Darren is quite keen to keep himself away from situations where there's a managerial vacancy to, um, you know, not put pressure inside the stadium during that game. Um, we did try to get him to Barnet the weekend after Kewell had gone, um, although we were talking about it before Harry had got the sack. Um, yeah. but again, he decided in the end not to go because, you know, you put him inside the stadium to start thinking, oh, is he coming back or, you know, that sort of thing. So, again, it's one of those things, as you say, should, I mean, it, it leaves a long question is, should managers go back if they've had the glory days? Should they go back? Because I don't think it's ever really the same. It's it's like I, I look at, you know, right, I, you guys obviously know I'm a Charlton fan and everyone keeps calling for Alan Kirby to come back when Nigel Atkins, yeah, sure. managed for like 10, 10, 10, 12 years. Mm. Why? Just a bit of nostalgia for me. Don't do it. I want someone that's, I mean, we look at Nigel Adkins. He's a good guy. He's a good manager, but he, is he from that old school as Chris was saying that he was successful 10, 12 years ago when he got Southampton through the leagues back to the Premier League. But is he modernised with a lot of these younger managers? And you think, I, I don't even know as much as I love the bloke. I don't think he'd give it up anyway. But someone like Chris Powell, I think he's quite happy being an England coach and a Spurs coach mm. right now. And I think he's quite he's met his match. And, you know, maybe in the future he might move up the ranks at Spurs or something if, if something went, you know, if he really shone. But I think, you know, why do people want the nostalgia? Is it just an easy way out, do you think? Probably. I, I think, I think it's like, you look at what the Barnet nostalgia as well with Martin Allen. That's probably one that, that's a, that quite a famous one, isn't it, within non-league? And Martin yeah. Allen, the name Martin Allen always comes up whenever a Barnet manager gets sacked, doesn't it? <laughs> I actually sent Trevor a message the other day when Kewell got fired, and I just sent him a picture of uh, Martin Allen with a big cheesy grin. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes up, and I think I think he'll probably he would never. I don't think he'd ever go back, but I think no. it's, uh, everyone likes a bit of nostalgia, don't they? Yeah, Chris, you were going to say something there. Sorry, Chris. No, no, no. Um, one thing I wanted to put across before is um, mention Stan Collymore, and you yeah. know that that would that would be potentially another Harry Kewell scenario, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. What's he? What's he going to do? What was he going to literally bring to Southend? Is he just trying to be a bit of a glory hunter and think this is easy? I'll walk it because I'm not being funny. I, I might be completely wrong here. What management roles has he had? He hasn't. Exactly. He hasn't. I don't know if I was just sitting there thinking, am I being thick here? But I'm pretty sure he hadn't no. had any management role. So what, why would he be able to steer, steer the ship of good old um, Southend back? I think, I think it's a whole r- relatable thing that he's been at Southend. He's done yeah. a bit for them. People, people will buy into it. And I think you get that, like, as, as, um, as Gaza said, with Martin Allen going back. Um, you know, pe- people buy into it. But, yeah. you know, that goodwill only lasts so long. You know, Mark... Yeah. You know, Martin burnt bridges every time he left to go and chase the pound note. Yeah. Um, you know, but again, every time he came back, he, he galvanised it, people fought into it. Um, yeah. You know, but, you know, with Stan, is he too far detached from when he was at Southend to be able to actually put anything together now? And I think there's so much friction off, you know, with the supporters and the chairman, the off-the-pitch stuff, 
you know, to anyone goes into that, it's an absolute mess, I think. And, you know, you'd be better off staying away from it. But there's managers out there that want to get back in the game. Yeah, I get, I agree. Um, but talking about getting back in the game, Trevor, um, since Kill has gone, is that two wins out of two we've had? Uh, two wins out of four. So Out of four. Yeah, two wins, two draws. So oh, there you go, so unbeaten. And this, um, what do you think about Brent? Do you think he might be asked to step up? I've had I've had two conversations. Well, I've had more than that, but one conversation said he doesn't want it, wants to go back upstairs and be the head of football. Um, the other one says he, he wants it. So does the, the structure then get abandoned again? <laughs> um, you know, for him to go back in, or does it then you know, end up with a, a Paul Fairclough, even even a Martin Allen type sort of figure that sits upstairs and doesn't want the job. I think, you know, a lot of the issue was, you know, Dean knew he could do the job. Um, he's sitting above Harry Kill that's probably in the last chance saloon of, of managing this country if he doesn't get it right. So I think to have that hanging over him, you know, you he needs he needs someone upstairs if, if he takes it himself, um, to be able to um, you know, not be looking for his job as soon as it goes, you know, belly up. But it's more organised under him. The players seem to know what they're doing. Um, and, you know, we finally won a couple of games. Yay! Yeah, a long way to go, but an exciting time, I guess, for a fact, because, you know, you've got that opportunity to rebuild um, and see see where the season will end you. Uh, you know, where, where you're going to be. And hopefully you won't be fighting a relegation battle again. <laughs> No, I don't think we will. I, I mean, it's nice at the moment. Holy Circus is steady a little bit. <laughs> yeah, there's no the managerial speculation just disappeared at the moment, which no. is actually good because it means they get out on the training pitch. They're not distracted away from potential this coming in, potential that coming in. Yeah. Um. You know, and players are coming back from injury as well, so yeah, it's not far away from a full squad either. No, so exciting times. That's exciting times. A nice little away trip to Dover for you. What was it like down there? Uh, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> and Gaz, actually, there wasn't a long trek right the way round to the away end because they made it an unsegregated game, which is the first time in, I can't remember how many years, I've been to a National League game where it was unsegregated, which... Well, only, right. Was it a yeah, trial? Is it a trial for that? Or I don't I've... know. I mean, the issue was, though, is that it was difficult to work out how many supporters we actually had at the game because so we all went in, yeah. in through one turnstile and obviously... You know, at a normal non-league from step uh, three downwards, you change ends yeah. at half-time, don't you? So yeah. you, you had a few people, most of the Bees fans actually stood in what is the away end yeah. for the first half, even though we were we were shooting into the far goal. There were a few Bees fans dotted around there. Um, and same in the seat bit as well. You couldn't tell how many people were Bees fans unless they had a Barnet shirt on. Now, Trev, say, I'm seeing from like obviously Dover with one of the sort of unfair, in my opinion, succumbance of the COVID generation with their minus um how many was it 12 they started on and uh oh, five or 12 and the fine i think that's currently on minus nine am i right mm. um do you mm. think for seeing what you saw is that them dead and buried or do you think they've still got a chance it's it's extremely extremely tough for them um i mean they got wallops at grimsby a couple of weeks ago um you know they weren't mm. they weren't I wouldn't say they were really poor at the weekend. Yeah. Um, we we should have scored another couple of goals. We were a bit selfish rather than squaring balls into the box. Um, but it's, I mean, they've always had trouble attracting players because of where they're 
you know, geographically situated. Um, I know when I think Chris Kinnear was in charge going back 15, 20 years ago, they used to train up near Seven Oaks because it was easier for the players to get down from London and Chris himself, because he was a school teacher up there, um, and off the M20 to train to to uh, to train near there rather than all the way, you know, down to Dover. Um, you know, for them to win three games just to get back to zero, and they haven't they haven't picked up a win yet, and then yeah. they've got to catch everyone else on 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 top of that. You you are asking a heck of a lot, I think. Um, yeah, I think I think I mean that that's one of the things that I reckon that if you, you you're aware that Deshaun Golding from Worthing he had a trial there the whole of the summer preseason and surprisingly we all thought he was gone, but then surprisingly he decided to come back to Worthing. Was that because maybe he just got the feel that it's going to be a long hard season? And yes, he'd be playing national league level for a season but is it going to be an enjoyable season and is he just going to end up where possibly Worthing would end up next season? Would you rather be in that level for promotion or relegation? Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, I've seen them. Um, I've obviously seen you know Deshaun last year, this season as well when he's when he's popped up playing, and he would probably add a little bit more energy. Well, if he uh, carries on the way he's been playing as of late, I think uh, we're going to struggle to hold on for him because I don't think he's yeah, a contracted player. It could be going. Um, so um, I I don't know. I mean, it could be again the travelling. You've got a lot more obviously in the national league. Um, it's, it was part-time as well, so yeah. you would have thought it would have been an ideal fit. Yeah. Any surprises in the National League this last past couple of weeks or any teams that you're still not surprised to be down there? Uh, a bit surprised at Dagenham. They're having a bit of a, a bit of a torrid run at the moment. Yeah. Um, they're, they're really having a struggle. Chesterfield and Grimsby are doing what Chesterfield and Grimsby should be doing. Boreham Wood are outstanding. At Woken the are being all right, aren't they, at the moment? Woken have done well, yeah. Yeah, really well. Um, well, it seems to have cheered up a little bit as well, haven't they? Who? Down in yeah, the yeah, they picked up a win at the first yeah. win of the weekend. Um, funny enough, Bill Ricky picked up a win as well after sacking Kevin Watson and Mark Hughes mm-hmm. earlier last week. Um, yeah, Maidstone have a bit of a blip in the south as well. Um, I saw and um, I saw Brack Brackley have gone top of the north as well above Fylde. So um, mm. I saw them quite a few years ago in the in, in the trophy, and I thought from the moment then when they beat Bromley on penalties, they'd actually push yeah. on. A little bit further, but they've um, they've always been in and around sort of playoff area. But um, I don't know. Maybe this year might be the year they've you know given it a push. You know, and they're going to go for it. Yeah, well, it'll be an interesting couple of weeks uh, till the next one. See, we'll see what happens. See what happens with Barnet Saga. What happens with the South End Saga? We'll we'll leave it there and uh, shoot straight up the M1. Um, up to uh, the the north and see uh, Chris uh, South Shields, as you say. I think you said it when we were on air. Um, not not the greatest of a uh, couple of weeks for you guys have you did you say one point out of nine yeah one point from nine um a blip or is there something going wrong do you think um i don't think there's anything really going wrong there's been some key injuries both fullbacks uh injured thankfully the left back the club captain's back blair adams he was back on saturday but clearly not 100 percent yet um really um the the biggest factor has been the fact that um, we're not putting chances away and we're not defending set pieces well enough. Um, you know, if you look at our defensive record, it's pretty solid yeah. in terms of open play. Um, but set pieces is just the Achilles heel. But in a part, so the first, the, the first of the three games is away to Nantwich Town. Um, Nantwich, the home side, put two banks of five. Um, literally, the game could have been played in one half, 
Yeah. Um, there was no press at all. Shields could bring the ball to halfway and then the press came. So they played very well, Nantwich, and deserved, I guess, a point. But really, really, Shields missed the best mm. two chances of the game, should have scored them and should have got three points. Yeah. Then on the Tuesday night, go to Bamba Bridge, where we've had a lot of success over the years. They play a good brand of football, an open brand of football. Get You get a good game on a very good surface. And um, we were just awful. First half, it was dreadful. It was bad. Were, were you at the game? Yeah, we, we were commentating. Yeah. Okay. Oh, commentating yeah. on Nant- at Nantwich and Bamba Bridge. And the first 45 minutes was just a horror show. Mm. Defence was all at sea. There was just no, there was no endeavour. Real lack of, a, um, lack of desire. And then the, the selections weren't great. And the, the, the the setup wasn't great. Second half was better. We were 3-0 down after half an hour, so it was game over. And then so the second half finished 0-0. And then on Saturday, I wasn't there. I was at, I was at York Races, of all places. But um, having watched the highlights, lots of been... Did, you put, of did you put your favourite suit on? Did you, have your, did you have your big hat? I didn't. No, Disappointing, mate. Disappointing. Very smart. Nice nice jacket and, uh, and what have you. But... um. A lot of criticism on social media, but having watched the highlights again, we missed three sitters. If you put those chances away, game's over. Um, Honest, mate, it just—you know what—you could probably just change that, change your accent to a southern one, and be exactly what I was like at the end of August, because that's exactly what it sounded like Worthing were being like. You know, we had plenty of chances, not putting them away. Yeah. Uh, and then the games are turned and then you lose the games because, you, you know, we're mainly in a half. And apart from our FA Cup exit, I would say we were the strongest teams in all our losses. Mm-hmm. And it's, it, it's oh God, isn't it? I mean, from you being a commentator and uh, me doing a co-commentary with Pete at times, it, it's so hard to stay positive, even if your team are doing all right. But when they're not putting things away, how can you stay positive? I had one of the players come up to me after a game, after the week off. He goes, James, I wanted to, I wanted to wring your neck. Because you were just so negative. I was like, yeah, but you weren't there. You weren't there. You like it was just so yeah. poor football. It's really difficult. But, but um, you know, you win football matches by scoring goals. So yeah. you've got to score goals. Yeah. And if, if you don't score goals, you're not going to win. Yeah. And that's what happened a lot. People ask him what plan B is. Plan B, um, plan A and plan B are both the same. Score goals. And that's it. And are you um are you still top or second? You know, I mean, there you go. It's it's a it's a mad league. Um, Matlock Town, you know, um, lost at uh, on Saturday to Atherton Collieries, and it was a game where had we won, we would have gained and gone top again. And everyone's going to drop points. It, it, you know, you, you, all you have to do is look after yourself. Forget forget other clubs. Forget other results. Yep. Just look after yourself. We've got a big game tomorrow night, Tuesday night. Local rivals, Mortwick Town, um, we're at home. Bitter rivalry, really, really bitter rivalry. And um, it's a chance to put right the wrongs of the last three games. And then on Saturday, away to Matlock, first against second. Yeah. Huge. You know, six points out of six in, in those. And it, it, it's a completely different feel, totally different dynamic. Chris, with the size of your crowds, do you segregate or not? No. Um, I mean, on Saturday, there are, you know, nearly 2,150 there on Saturday. Yeah. It was phenomenal. Um, no, there's no... There has been in the past. So, um, if, for instance, if normally it's done when the two clubs discuss how many 
away fans you think are going to travel. So we've gone to places like Gainsborough and, and been segregated because we've taken five, six hundred. We take that and more to Scarborough, but there's never any segregation to Scarborough. Pretty good. Um, FC United in Manchester, we segregated at our place. They didn't at theirs. When we've had Stockport County, we've had segregation. Um, Warrington Town has been segregation. But it, it depends on the... on the. It's normally discussed between the two clubs and the, the various police forces. Um, but we have segregated. But over the last four or five seasons, not a lot. Okay. And then to bring it back to something positive as well, can you explain to the listeners Project 4000? Because one of my followers picked up, didn't they, on Twitter about it a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Um, Project 4000 was a one-off. It was just a, a spur-of-the-moment thing where suddenly the club realised that... Um, so we had t- uh, two league games and an FA Youth Cup tie. And we needed... I think it was 254, something like that, at the FA Youth Cup tie to take the numbers of supporters in the ground in that seven days to over 4,000. Um, and we did it. There was 360, I think. Um, and then another 2,000. I mean, tomorrow night, Morpeth, it's only 20-odd, 22, 23 miles apart. Mm. Um, could be another 2,000. We're getting close to averaging 2,000. Yeah, it's good. Crazy, it's good. isn't it? Crazy, yeah. Brilliant. I mean, more Pef should be a win for you, shouldn't it? Like looking at the table and everything like that. Um, they, they, they're unbeaten in seven. They will come to Shields and spoil. Um, they'll play a pretty... They normally play a pretty brutal brand of football um, against us. Um, I'm expecting no different tomorrow night. Um, it'll be very, very, very tough. And it's one of those where the old cliche, you have to win the battle. Yeah. If you win the battle, let your quality shine through. Um, but Morpeth have got some good players. Yeah. Um, they're a good side. They they started the season appallingly, and uh, they but they're unbeaten in seven. So it'll be it'll be tough. The first goal is key. If you get the first goal, it's a different game. Sounds mm-hmm. um, like what Trev was saying at the Bogner game for me, wasn't it? The first goal was going to win this, and it did. Yeah, yeah. It is. But um, it should be a good game. It's funny, actually, I meant to say, because if Pete would have been, I'm sure he would have. Um, there was, do you know the listener Jimmy Paddy um, from South Shields? Because he was listening to Pete's commentary of the Worthing game, and he uh, South Shield fan. His yeah. username on Mixler was Jimmy Paddy. So, but he said he's South Shields fan. He was going to give it a listen. So it may have been because he's either listened to this and heard about, like, you know, the commentary that Pete and me do and all that. So I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. Uh, very. I don't know Jimmy Paddy if he's yeah. if he's whatever he's mixing a name or he's yeah. name Jimmy Paddy. Um, I probably will. I may well. Yeah, know yeah. You'll have to look at listen to that game up there like that. But um, yeah, we've um. <laughs> And self, I think, guys, and you know, the, the Ismian leagues is wide open. The Ismian Premier right now, and um, as we sort of said, Bogner, the Worthing's arch rivals, are getting a bit excited down below with uh, because they're second in the league at the moment and they were first for a bit, but not realizing they've got three games um, in front advance of everyone else. So if they, if everyone around them loses them, I beat them, they'll be down back to mid table. But any surprises, chaps, for the Premier uh, Ismian League division right now? Because I, I, I think. What's going up there is really what I expected now. 
I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, I think you're probably right. Um, Lewis had a good, uh, good result of the weekend, I think. We won 6 mm. away, I think. Um, who was it? I can't remember who it was now. Was it? Um, Margate. Paul- Margate. Margate. I was yeah, I saw that one 6-2. I couldn't remember if it was Hornchurch or Margate. But yeah, they, they had a decent result of the weekend. They'd started to put yeah. some results together and they won won the last three, I think, haven't they? I think um yeah, I think one of the things I, I am really quite surprised, and I know our XPNLP contributor Johnny uh, JK, he's um who I was lucky to see down with work the other day, which was lovely. Caught up some nice barbecue food with him in Texas, which was good to see. But um he was saying to me there, he obviously doesn't think Dom Paola will get sat, but he said he's really surprised with what they've put like the players they've got this season, why it's not getting together. Five points out of uh, possible 24. It's not a good start, and they're second from bottom. Uh, just in front of Leverhead, who have been even poorer with a minus 21 goal ratio with Leverhead. But I, Horsham, I think we said it on here before, even to Johnny. Do you think they were riding the promotion wave the season they did so well, and maybe they've got back to the level they really will be a sort of mid mid table team? possibly bottom table. Maybe, but I think, uh, like as Johnny said, though, the players they signed in the summer, you've got the likes of um, Shamir Fenlon, he's played National League football at Aldershot and I think a couple of others as well. I think he's been at Woking and now it's dropped down to, to play at Horsham. You know, you'd expect them to be um, that little bit of a step up. I think they've they've um, they've recruited well in the in the three years, yeah, third year now, isn't it, for them at that level? Mm. Horsham, yeah. Um, yeah, this, like, well, yeah. It's a, this feels like the first well, full year. Yeah, they haven't had a full season, like it, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but but their, but their recruitment, I've, from what I've seen, has stepped up one every year. So, yeah. you know, but then I think this year as well, you know, across the board, everyone's recruitment stepped up one better than yeah. it was last year. So I think it maybe doesn't stick out quite so much. Um, but I would expect them to be doing a little bit better than they are. But, you know, we're still only eight games into the season. We've still got another one, 30, 32, 34 to play. We are indeed, and, and Kingstonian still at the top, and Worthing play Kingstonian top of the table clash on Wednesday. So I guess like Chris is saying, it's like it's an exciting. It's not maybe a local derby or there's much of a rivalry there for Kingstonian, but Kingstonian have been surprisingly good this season. Um, they've got 21 points out of possible 27, I think it is. Yeah, 27 points, and uh, that, it's going to be a big game at, at that. And I don't like that ground because they share with Cray, and Cray beat us uh, a couple of times there already, but. Um, yeah, uh, I think it's going to be opening up. I'm, I'm interested to see how well Hastings United are doing in the Cups. 
Uh, they're obviously in the league below. Um, they don't seem to be doing as well in the league, but I think that's also because they've been had a lot of postponements because of their cup runs. But they're in well, the fourth qualifying. Yeah, they're in the fourth qualifying now, I think, and that could be in the uh, could it could it be one of the lowest teams left in the cup if they get through to the first round? No, mm. Bedford Sports are at step step four five. So, four so one one, one below that. What fours yeah. Hastings? Yeah, I'm sure Bedford are one lower. At five, possibly, but you yeah. know it, it's great for non-league. Great to see there's a lot of teams still up there, and you know it's it's amazing to see some of these teams that are going to be getting up to the league uh, because there will be some shocks up in that first round, and you know it'd be great to see some of them with, with a big payday, a big ground with fans this time, which obviously we couldn't see last season with like some marine and stuff. Um, FA Trophy draws have been drawn now. Uh, we've got um, Chertsey. Uh, which will be a nice one to go and see. Chertsey away. So hopefully goes out on a, 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 a Saturday, I think, at the end of the month, Saturday the 30th. Chris, who have you been drawn against in the trophy? Away to Marine. Marine. Oh, that'd be interesting. Uh, it's, you know, the Marine Cup, you can go and look play uh, house bingo to see where the balls are going to go in the, alongside of that road, which is great to see. Um, I mean, it, for us, and I guess by all of us on this convo, it's nice to see a bit more of cup action because we've sadly all been knocked out of the FA Cup as well. Is. Yeah, it doesn't pay as well, but I just keep looking at Hornchurch and seeing what they did last season. And, you know, it, it could be anyone. Absolutely. Absolutely. Talk about Hornchurch, PNLP favourite. Chris Dixon has left Hornchurch. He's left the building. Um, I, I texted him and said, oh, I have you behind the move. And he did say it's um it's more because he's driving. He lives in South London anyway. And he's driving up for training and the matches in Hornchurch. And he's obviously got a PD, uh, PT business now, which he spoke about on the podcast last year. Uh, and we wish him the very best. I, I'm disappointed because I know Trev and I did say we'd go and have a little uh, meet with him and a little pint after a game. And that nearly happened last week, but it got postponed due to their cup involvement, which now they're out of. But um, as I said to Trevor, it was interesting because he started that game and the next day involved his, uh, like, le- left the club. So I was quite surprised because you'd thought they might, if he knew he was leaving, they might have had a little uh, sort of farewell to him because he's done so well for the club. But um, all the best to him. Eric from Belvedere, Trevor, do you, do you know much of them? Yeah, I share with them. Um, uh, Welling. Yeah, Welling, a part of your road. Nice little... Nice little non-league ground that backs onto the uh, main road. Yeah, yeah, I've been there a couple of times with Charlton. Yeah. It's uh, pre-season friendly. It's it's a it's a nice little ground, nice little crowd there, and everything like that. And they've, uh, as you say, uh, Gaz said, Welling are doing all right at the moment. Got a little bit of a rise on, which is good. So, you know, fair play to him. They're, what step are they? They're Kent County League, aren't they? I think. Yeah, step, step five. five. Yeah, so yeah. he's dropped a couple of downs. In theory, the way he plays, he should smash it. Yeah, there's, there's a few players down in that division at the moment. Gary Alexander who used to be at Millwall, was also at Erith and Belvedere. Then you got Jack Midson at um, Sheppey. Um, mm-hmm. And I think there's one or two other ex-football league players at Chatham as well. So it's quite a competitive league. Being that much closer to London, though, you get those sorts of players dropping just outside to play for the likes of um, Erith as well. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's interesting. It'll be good to see him. We wish him the very best and maybe we'll have him on again sometime soon if he wins trophies with them or something or some promotion. But um, anything else in the football footballing realm, guys? What weeks have we had, like, sort of uh, any legal surprises? I mean, Pete still went to the Midlands again, still failed to get a Midlands correspondent, which uh, I think we'll just give up on him. He's too busy having a pint and a beer in a club. He even went to the Southwest to go to Bristol. He didn't come back with a correspondent. So, you know, useless Pete. And, and he doesn't even turn up tonight, does he? No, it's not on it. Shocking, isn't it? Shocking. I went and watched uh, Worthing Ladies actually uh, last week. I was, I've watched ladies football in the past, but I've only ever sort of watched um, England 
and I thought I'll drop down and watch sort of the lower levels. And I was really, I was not shocked, but because I know Worthing are very good, but I was, I was entertained. They won 6 1 um, in the Women's FA Cup. And it was, it was really entertaining. Um, I, I mean, I can't say much more other than that, but it, it was, it was really good. And they, they had, I think they pretty, they had about maybe a hundred, hundred and fifty there, which was really good. And they had, um, they had a local, a local girls' side, all as mascots. So they were all to see collecting the balls when they went out of touch and everything else. But it was a good six-one win. And then I did like a, did a little step seven number again at the weekend, just trying. Staying local, um, but Chris, I got something to ask you. Yeah. Mass United that got knocked you guys out of the FA Cup. Yeah, they're having an absolutely barnstorming FA Cup run, aren't they? They are. I mean, you know, smashed Chester City four nil in the replay at Chester. At Chester, yeah. Um, I mean, Adam Boys, the centre forward, he's already passed the twenty goals mark for the season, which is just, just yeah. Bizarre. Um, they are a good side. You know, they beat us in pre-season. They beat us in the FA Cup. They're, they're doing well in the league. They're doing well in the Cup. They are a good, good, very good side. And um, it's no surprise. They've been, a good, they've been a good side, a good club for several years. Uh, one of my old Mariners podcast colleagues, Terry Wilkinson, lives in Mask, and he's he's followed them quite closely for a number of years, and they've they've, they've always they've always played a, a brand of football that suits them best. Their pitch isn't the best. Um, it's not a pitch where you can go and play, play silky football, but they utilise what they've got. They got and, at the weekend as well, aren't they? So, yeah, the yeah. fourth qualifying round, which. They have. Suggest is probably a fairly winnable game for them. Absolutely, the results yeah. they've had. I only, you know, I only noticed it. So I, I, I watch, there's a guy I watch that does vlogs on YouTube, and he goes, he's doing some work with the FA Cup YouTube channel, and he went to the game against Chester, the, the home game, so the the, the first leg, uh, the main game, and then. I thought, oh, they're gonna they're gonna struggle at Chester. And then I saw it was up four 0 Incredible. I mean, there was a big um, kind of post mortem. The the Chester's joint managers, um, John O and Bernard from the Salford. Um... I love that program. I know people. Yeah. Some people that like yeah. love or hate Salford, but that was just such brilliant footballing TV, and it was it was so like much watched. Didn't you think? Yeah, it was. So they are now joint managers at Chester City and uh, there was a massive post-mortem after the game. Players in the dressing room for 45, 50 minutes afterwards and uh, and then um, I watched the interview that John O conducted with the local media and he did. He, he spoke very, very well. And they've given a vote of confidence from the board because it's a fan-owned club. So it's support... It's completely support owned, so um, they've had the backing of the fans, really. Um, but for Mask to go to Chester and you know and destroy, um, it's incredible, absolutely incredible. Um, and who's to say they can't go one step further because yeah. they, they're not good enough, no doubt about it. Great to see. They do it. So nice to see a team get them into the first round proper and get them a 
decent tie against the league side and get a bit of money into the club. Absolutely. It's the same with it's the same with Horsham though, isn't it? Really, because you know, although although we do banter with Ian and uh, Johnny when they're on here, like you know, it's it's Sussex, it's a Sussex club, and they've got an opportunity to beat Woking, which is a big game as it is anyway, National yeah. League club, and that will really test them. And you know, they've, it's funny that they've been doing much better in the cup than they have in the league. Uh, whether they've been properly tested yet, I don't know. But you know, if they win that, they're in the first round proper, and you know, we're going to see some nice little results and. Maybe they might see me go to the Horsham game. Depends on when it is. Uh, if it's uh, at home, and see if we can go and get have a have a little look out there, to see who it is. But fair play to them. Fair play to the team still in the cup. We do enjoy it. Um, moving on from the cup and everything like that. Now, um, Trevor shared an article in the week, which um, from some people could look at it. Maybe should politics be brought into football? Any political correctness be brought into football? I should say, um, Lewis with the call him out scheme. Um, Trev, do you want to sort of summarise what 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 uh, what this call him out was really, and draw your attention to it? Yeah, I think I think it goes along obviously the lines of what happened with the horrific murder of Sarah Everand, yeah, by the Met police officer and that. And I think um, it, you know Lewis are all about equality there. Men and their women get paid the same, um, which is a which is a first throughout the country. So I wouldn't say I'm surprised that, that they've sort of come out with something, but it, it popped up on um, on on uh, Twitter, you know, during the you know during the week, and um, we had a few conversations across WhatsApp and and uh, and whatnot about it, as to sort of like you know how how you sort of go with it, and it's got the hashtag you know, call him out. Um, And I'll just read a a little bit of what Lewis put out there. Um, From today, this was when they put the statement out. When anyone in the men's team and managers and coaches hears or sees something said or done by a workmate, family member, friend, or anyone that they with, that they feel is disrespectful, sexist, or harmful in any way to a woman, whether she's there or not, they will speak to that man and they will hashtag call him out. It might make them feel uncomfortable, but nowhere near as uncomfortable as the woman on the receiving end of the demeaning comment. Now, you can sort of take that across social media, across mm. night out in the pub, um, you know, anything anything that goes really. Um, Was it Lewis's idea or is it another, is it another thing? It. I haven't seen it. I because I looked else. at it again tonight when we just, I was doing a bit of research mm. for the pod and it hasn't really gained traction. There's no sort of, there's no replies to it. There's no comments, but that, that, well, there was a couple of comments and one I wanted to draw to your attention. I don't know if you've seen this. It seems to be um, from a guy called Ken Adams 77 um, saying the absolute irony of this when you have Joseph Fines at your club. Brilliant. And he is the assistant manager or something of Lewis. So yeah. there's something going on there. And then um, Ken has replied going, have a good day, Joseph. Be a good boy on the touchline. Hopefully you've learned from your behavior. And uh, Joe, uh, Joe has replied saying, thanks, Ken. Be good to see you at a game. And Ken's replied, not while you're involved, Joseph. And then Joe goes, stick to armchair politics. Suits you better. Ken, what a guy. Joe, I feel like your obsession with me is dangerous. And then Joe again, unrelated topics, Ken. One is trying to address misogyny and one is abuse to women. The other was an apology for questioning offside. You're clearly a professional troll. Having reviewed your post, you should maybe consider a worthwhile hobby. Um, so something's gone on there, which has caused one fan, no matter what, to call it a bit of irony, which is where it gets me onto the fact is, don't get me wrong, it's a great thing in theory because, you know, 
the world is changing as we know we've got to put it lightly you know you can't joke about things we could joke about even five years ago now because someone's going to take offense and you know there's always that sort of building site guy wolf whistling at a woman i mean we had comments on there saying like you know for example i noticed that page three was always in the sun all throughout me growing up but then it was got rid of because women thought it was sort of over sexualizing their bodies but then i said quite rightly that heat magazine for example still has torso of the week where it's a topless man. So you know what I mean? You, you look at things like that and they try and have an equal playing field, but you can't be sitting there, women gawping over a thing, but us lads aren't allowed to go and look at topless women, which is exactly the same. They've just got their breasts are slightly different. Well, they're not that different from my breasts because uh, mine's are moves really, but uh, they're, um, they're still, do you know, do you know what I mean? And, and that, this is where this line, and do you think Lewis as a football club? Yeah. And I, I great that their quality and everything like that is great. I mean, we've had conversations over the years with like, you know, higher up that women's and men's games are paid so much differently because of sponsorship. The women's game is getting better and better, but you can't have equal pay where it's higher up because of just the sponsorship and it's going to bankrupt the club. But you look at games like at the weekend, I think the Arsenal game, the women's game was getting over 2000 people there. And, you know, Man City are often getting a lot of people there. Do you guys think it should be down to a football club to be starting this? And is it just to try and get Lewis a bit of, let's say, uh, um, sort of get them out there a little bit, get the name out there, people talking about Lewis? I think I mean, exposure. Yeah, exposure. I, Not that I, kind, because we're, we're going to have to be a bit careful when we talk about that exposure <laughs> when we're talking about this subject. I don't think any other club could have, could have done it because, you know, there isn't that pay level at the same structure throughout the game that we know of. Lewis are the only yeah. only club that does it. So, you know, if you're looking towards an equality type thing, which, I, you know, I guess in a way we are, um, I, you couldn't see Man City coming out with it with, you know, players on £200,000 a week and I've no idea what their ladies are on. I'll hazard a guess at it's, you know, not more than five grand a week. Um, you know, you've got absolute disparity there. So, you know, I think fair play to him to coming out as they put at the bottom of the statement. But, you know, mm. each each man will find where his radar is to what he thinks is offensive to what someone else is. And you'll set your mm. own boundaries and your own, you know, parameters. But within that, there are certain things that you just, yeah. you know, going back to the Joe Vines bit, um, I did see what it was all about as well because I saw it on because uh, I followed Joe on uh, on on Twitter um, and um, I think they uh, he had a, a little disagreement shall we say with um, uh, one of the officials offside decision at the weekend. Um, he said to him that they'll review it on the tape afterwards and hold his hands up if he was wrong, which is what he did, and he put his apology on Twitter and. Um, for some reason, people are linking it to this call him out statement, but you're looking at two completely different angles here. Yeah. What we're actually looking at. And actually the, you know, the um, thing with the referee bit with Joe is actually something else that we're going to talk about in a minute anyway. When it comes to we that. are. I think, I think the thing is, is with, with the call it out thing as well, is that, you know, sexist or not, they're a place, oh, do, are you a woman? Do you know the offside rule or like, you know, things like that? You shout at the linos, the referees, which we will, as I say, talk about. But can a football club or should a football club link themselves to such a bold statement when 
no matter what, we would have all been at Grand. I'm not even we probably said something ourselves, not as so bad, but you know, there's going to be maybe a sexist comment made or you know, something like that, and maybe in the heat of the moment, or even comments like uh, like handbags over there, you know, clubs frown on that. So, are you telling me that Lewis, if they hear someone in the ground, sort of not necessarily making a sex challenge, or oh, my grand could play better than you, or like you know, or something against a woman is it gonna is it gonna start a real sort of big open a big sort of wound there i don't know that's difficult isn't it i mean i would say again you know that last little bit about as a person you set your own boundaries yeah and parameters against what you think is acceptable and what you think isn't um mm. you know you see how many female physios we have mm. in the game now fantastic you know they're they're showing that they're it's no different to having a male physio in 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 being yeah. able to do the job, and probably I'd say in the last five mm. years it's actually grown. I mm. I very rarely see a male physio run onto the pitch these days, um, you know, and you know that in itself is a level of respect that those players um, themselves could quite easily turn that into a situation where that call him out, you know, kind of campaign mm. would be brought to the fore so yeah it's... even down to so at the weekend as well like I was telling Trev the England game it was all female officials mm-hmm. and and from the bit from what I watched I didn't watch it all I think I saw that last 20 minutes every decision there was not one player complaining there was no shouting in the referee's face and mm-hmm. that's it, it, it's were they good decisions or was there some contentious ones I I I think there's there was decisions where if you there, there was no contentious ones, but there were decisions where if it was your team, you would be you'd be knocked, and if it was if it wasn't if it was against mm-hmm. if it was your team, you'd be knocked. If it was against your team, it would you'd be probably be happy. Yeah, but you like you say, imagine if someone like you know Jack Grealish went screaming in the face of the women's referee, that'd be in the front picture of the the sun on Monday. Mm-hmm. But if it was a bloke, nothing would be done about it. And this is this is where the thing is. Yeah, there needs to be something done about it, but you know, it's just like it's saying here in that statement by Lewis. Are it's like you play, you've seen what football squads are like, and if you've got a good bunch of lads, you've seen some of the ways they are in the changing rooms and the things they say. Are you telling me that one of them is going to go stop the game? Go, hang on a second, why did you say that? Mm. Is it going to happen? No, no, I agree with it. I agree that there is sometimes where. where Things are said, and it's down to males to, um, to to stop it because there is over aggression sometimes towards towards females, and you see it all the time. And I, yeah. and I would step in if I saw it. If there was if there was genuine aggression, in that, I, I do agree with what they're saying that it's got to be down to men to stop the aggression towards women. Yeah. Chris, you were going to say something. I just think it's kind of when you do something like this, it's almost unpoliceable. Yeah. It's uncontrollable. It's so open to use, but also misuse. Um, It opens up so many different kinds of worms. It's untrue. Um, I think... I think that's a that's a statement there. It opens up a can of worms. Yeah, it's like I, I believe that I have a I have a fair 
idea of what is and what isn't acceptable. Mm-hmm. When it comes to race, creed, sex, anything. Um, I think I have a fair grasp of what is and what isn't acceptable. Yeah. If everybody lived their lives like that, probably would be roughly okay. Yeah. Club to come out with stuff like this, it's it's kind of almost unpoliceable. Mm. Because um in what context is it going to be? If, if, if it's like a player or a member of staff in their day-to-day workplace, and it's kind of something that really in, is in everyday life acceptable, but they take offence at it. Is it really offensive? Who's who's going to be the adjudicator on that? Mm. It's, it's such a, it's an interesting topic. And I think we could sit here for hours talking about it. Um, it's interesting. I mean, I'm not surprised it comes from a club like Lewis because at the end of the day, Lewis are Marmite. People love them, people hate them. I think, you know, you know they are quite hipster. You know, fair play, they're playing their men's and women's separately. But, you know, to be fair, the women's team's better than the men's team. <laughs> and much higher up in the sort of football pyramid. Um, but... I, it, we had conversations, you know, so it didn't get heated or anything, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think it's a very touchy subject for a football club to be talking about and it needs to get support and it makes me wonder, is it sort of a publicity stunt from Lewis? And if they can police it and be fair play, but as you said, is it going to cause ruptions in like, you know, groups of lads changing rooms? Because we all know there'll be comments made by lads all the time. You know, you, you say, I'm sure women... Women gawp at men. If there's a good-looking man, they're going to gawp at him. I mean, I, I have issues with everyday life, mate, when I'm walking down the street and these women these women wolf whistling at me. And, you know, I mean, Vic, Vicky always says to me, you know, they can have you if you want, but, you know, <laughs> it's one of those things. And it, it, it's such a fine line, but it's just the way the world is, the way the world's changing. And, you know, what I wouldn't be surprised to see more of this in the future. Mm. Yeah, it is it is yeah it is and we're gonna to have to be very careful mm-hmm. it, it's a subject that you know could um could evoke a thing but i mean i guess if, if you've got any thoughts on it guys just uh tweet at the pnlp on um instagram or our, our, our uh twitter account and our facebook pages so twitter twitter i said there i don't know why i couldn't get my words out there twitter twitter uh, moving on though um referees incident we said uh as we saw there's a video a viral video going around and uh trev what is it Bristol something. Bristol Manor Farm. Bristol Manor Farms manager going absolutely ape at a, man, at a referee. Now, gents, we watch a lot of non-league football. We watch a lot of football, and we some of the referees I've seen already this season. The standard is poor. I mean, but mm. don't get me wrong. I wouldn't like to be in their shoes. I mean, I know, I know Gareth um, sort of watched an old PNLP contributor referee a game the other week and had an absolute shocker. That doesn't really surprise me knowing him, um, but. We, we all shout, we all, I mean, the amount of times I've called the ref every moon, every name under the sun, my mother would be very, would not be proud of the language I used. Um, but I'm sure all three of you have said that as well, We've you know, shouted at the referee. But this was something else, like to see a manager going and, you know, imagine what, what that would have been like. You know, that referee is quite on his own, really, with the two liners that looked mm. sort of small as anything. They're not going to stop anything going on. And I know the things, but from manager, I, I think they're the same. Are they step four club? Yeah, I think they are. Step four club to be behaving like that on the pitch, screaming at a referee's face like that, and it being filmed in this day and age. Surely his job's untenable now. Yes. You'd have thought so, wouldn't you? And also the people filming it, found it extremely funny, yeah. um, which it clearly wasn't. No. Um, it was quite, quite um, disturbing, actually, quite 
um, because he was he, the manager was clearly. Um, well, this was them getting knocked out of the trophy, wasn't it? I think it was. I think so. It must be step four. Um, they're being knocked out of the trophy. Well, wouldn't they? And um, but the thing that concerns me is does doing some research for the pod tonight, and there's no statement, there's no note or anything from the account, just the result from Saturday, and that was it. Now, they a lot of non-league clubs aren't gonna have a PR team, but if that was if that was a professional club like that, and he obviously was he sent off because was it because he got carded or he was sent off or something like that, or what? What was the cause of the argument? Does anyone actually know? No, I don't. Uh, know. I think it was just seeing the video. It took me a while to get to find the video, um, but all you, you all you just see is just something you just think you know, like you say, we've all had our fair gripes with referees over over various games, various decisions, and and everything like that, but. You've almost got to be just so careful because you've got someone filming that. If that person hadn't been, you know, there were no mobile phones around, you might have had a an, an FA charge coming your way. But you know that would be it, be a little bit swept under the carpet. But that's out there in the public eye. It's everywhere, you know. And for them not to come out with anything is unbelievable. It's had yeah. one hundred and forty-eight thousand views. Wow. Yeah. So what? So what normally happens is. What I've seen is when these videos, so for instance, when a, say there's something extraordinary happens in a football match, maybe non-league, and it's something, you know, I don't know, like an extraordinary goal or just something that's really special. It normally ends up on something like Sky Sports News roughly about a week later. Yeah. By the time it gets through the social media platforms, mm. gets through the various steps. So it'll be interesting to see if it ends up in the real public domain. Um, very interesting. It's, that's the kind of thing. Soccer AM on a Saturday, isn't it? On a Saturday. Yeah. yeah, you often see. I think Worthing have been on there before on Soccer AM and stuff. Or yeah. you know, just think. I mean, I was quite pleased last season in the FA Cup when uh, I think it was Jesse Starkey's free kick against East Grinstead. I filmed yeah. it for RebelYell.live and uh, put it on our Twitter account. Didn't even tag the FA Cup, and it just said FA Cup round qualifying round one or whatever it was to round two and it was uh it was retweeted and tw- actually fully tweeted out by the fa cup it had like hundreds of thousands of views so it just shows how quick something can be shared around trev i think i think as well that goes you know that that one incident with the referee is something that's actually replicated far more often than than people realize i stumbled on this morning um just reading something on one of a uh, kentish football website um, that the Kent Youth League itself, which has been going for, I think, about 20, 30-odd years, are actually talking of packing it all up completely. Um, two experienced referees yesterday have decided they no, lo- no longer want to officiate in the league because mm. of the abuse they're getting from, yeah. from um, parents. parents and coaches. Um, you know, and, and, and for a league to turn around, they said they can't do anything. Their hands are tied. They have to rely on the FA to sort these things out at youth level they're not allowed to go ahead and do anything mm. um you know no referees no games it's quite it's quite simple and you know we all have disagreements we all think you know we can do a better job than them and you know granted i'll quite happily put my hands up and say i'm not interested in doing it my dad used to referee for a number of years back in the 60s and again at youth football level when i played um 
I hey, you can put your hands down now. Yeah, <laughs> I wouldn't dream of, of ever picking up a whistle. Never. I think the thing is, but I've seen it on Twitter and I've seen like leagues saying they're struggling to get referees because no one wants to do it now. Yeah. Because, I yeah. mean, imagine imagine if you're a Sunday league referee or something like that. You're doing it because you love the game. You want to add a little bit of pocket money or something like that. You're out there refereeing and you get headbutted or you get like shouted at. And, you know, some of these, I mean, I'm not being harsh, but we know some of these referees maybe aren't the most like, um, What's popular? It's it's hard, but you know they might have. I've seen some that have got like learning difficulties, but they do it to try and get confidence. I see some that have got, you know, that they maybe weren't very popular at school. They're quite shy. And they're doing it to get confidence. But if you have someone like that that goes and referees a game that might be lacking in confidence, is doing it to get their own, you know, mental health problems and stuff like that, and you get some big burly guy with a belly shouting at your face, headbutting you, punching you, it's going to make you ten times worse. And it's not a place in the game for it, you know. I sometimes think, well, you know, I've never been verbally physical or anything to a referee, obviously. I mean, don't think, but, you know, you think some of the comments you hear at grounds and stuff, it's just, um, it does affect them. And like when you see that, God knows what he was feeling. And could that guy be scared away from refereeing? Yeah. I, when a few years ago, so from talking maybe five or six years ago, I used to, my dad used to coach an under 14 side and I actually ran the line for them. And even at under-14s, I was getting abuse from the players running the line. Now, I'm a big guy. They're under-14s. They're almost getting to a point where they're fully grown. They're very quick. But I was getting, I was getting abuse for, for volunteering to run the line. So I decided, nah, not doing that anymore. What were that about, about your size? Just saying, oh, you can't keep up. And what sort of decision was that? Obviously, there was other words used in this, even at under-14s level, from the players. Um most of the parents are okay for the most part, but it's, it, even even if it's if it's happened at that young age, that's just going to escalate all the way through, isn't it? Um, but this is where this is where coaches and clubs that run these academies and games need to be teaching them to stop this behaviour. Yeah. It's very hard because of the mentality it's in at the moment, and you know it just seems to get worse. I mean, I was talking to someone the other day when I was at school. I honestly don't remember using as foul language as you hear as you hear nowadays. No. I agree with you. I agree with you. I think about that video. Um, what's more, fresh, what's more worrying, is that if you go and play the video on, one of the committee members actually runs onto the pitch to have a go at the referee and officials as well. Oh, really? You, in the heat of the moment, I mean, there was over aggression in that video. In the heat of the moment, a manager having a go at a referee because he's just been sent off. I'm not going to condone what they're doing but you, you can understand they're frustrated and, and, and they're angry. Yeah, They should just walk away, but you can understand it. But for a committee member to be running onto the pitch to berate the referee the way he does and get right up in his face, that that's not acceptable in any way, shape or form, in my opinion. I think, though, it all comes from the very top of the game, though. You watch them in the Premier League, the way they are around referees, what they're allowed to get away with saying to them. And things like that, and yet you go and watch, you know, you, well, you, you watch as Gaz said the England game the other night, three female officials, no one went near them to complain. You watch, you watch a game of rugby, you watch a game of the NFL. The players don't go and get in the referees' faces; that they don't do that. Why they allow it in the Premier League, and everyone sees that, so they see that as a normal behaviour. That translates all the way down to youth football. Was it last season or the season before the National League trialed tin bins? No, it was steps. Um, 
five, step five, it, and then it went step so five. And whatever, whatever happened to that? Because, you know, I think that's what they do in rugby. And, you know, it's, with this back out the behaviour, you know, it's you're still, it's still there for, for dissent. Um, they should be using it this year. Last year, which was the second season, which obviously the, most teams only played about no more than about 13 games. Um, it seemed to be forgotten about. And there was a couple of games, I think we went to, Gaz, last year, where the referee should have given them a yellow card and put them in Simbin for 10 minutes instead of actually giving them a physical booking. I did Um, see it a couple of weeks ago um, uh, at Littlehampton United in the Step 7 game that that our old friend was refereeing and he did send someone to the Simbin. Oh, what a surprise. (laughs) I bet he loves that. (laughs) The guy did deserve it. I mean... Probably deserved the yellow card. I think he ended up getting sent off the guy in the end. Yeah, um, but I think the Simbins are a good idea. But does it? It almost takes them out of the game for ten minutes to give them a chance to cool off. Yeah, mm-hmm. so that's probably it's to punish the team there and then, isn't it? Rather than yeah. you know, you pick up a yellow card. Well, that's great. You've got another four, four to pick up before you get a one-match ban. That doesn't hurt anybody. You how how good is it for the TV? Like you sit in the ice hockey in the NHL and they go like power play three minutes. Yeah. Imagine having that. I mean, I've I mean, I've seen. I think not last year, the year before when they when they brought it in. Yeah. Um, there was one. I can't remember which game I went to, but side ended up playing with nine um, because um, two ended up in the sim bin, and one of those players it was in the last. 10 minutes so he didn't appear again in the rest of the game the other guy came back on because his Simbin started before then but you play but you're going to be playing with 10 at least for the remainder of the game it, it's it's stupidity um, but again all comes from the top because they get away with it they think they can get away with it down at the lower level you Simbin them you're penalising your own team straight away you know and quite rightly everyone mm-hmm. should give you a good mouthful in the changing rooms after especially if you've cost the team you know a couple of goals or whatever oh, yeah. as well Hundred percent, hundred percent. It will be interesting to see what happens to Bristol. What was it again? Bristol. Bristol Manor Manor Farm. Farm. Bristol Allen. What farm? Manor. Manor. Bristol. Bristol Manor Farm. Uh, See what happens down there, Manor. If if in regards (laughs) to these people. Um, like that but uh, guys that, that sort of rounds off quite nicely uh, episode 22 of the podcast Trevor has got his hand up have you got something to add? I've got one shout out oh because Pete's not here because he can't be bothered what's your shout out? Guernsey Back in action for the first first time in over a well over a year. Yeah. Um, and they're in the Southern League this year. Nine hundred and eleven turned up to watch them win three one over Sutton Common Rovers. They played one one one, drawn zero, lost zero. Nice. But isn't it nice, guys, that we can now start to, you know, obviously you guys know my job is in travel and, you know, we've all been affected, whatever, with COVID. But isn't it nice to see that, fingers crossed, hopefully we are really sort of beginning at the end now because it does certainly feel like that with the red list going down to just seven countries, pretty much only one of them that people go to in the Don Rep because I've never heard of half the other countries that are on the red list or why anyone would go there. But, you know, isn't it great to see? And, you know, people are starting to go on holiday again. They're starting to travel. You're seeing stadiums full, apart from Man City, can't sell out. Um, you are seeing, you know, crowds back at games as good. Yeah, COVID's still here, but, you know, people finally, I never had much faith that we'd be starting to live with it, but it seems that we really are. So long may it continue. Obviously, a stupid fuel frenzy nearly took us off the rails, but I'm glad that we're not still talking about that because, I, yeah, there are still the odd petrol stations that are out of stock around by us, but only the sort of smaller ones. And you also see the um, 
the fuel has gone up in price, which is frustrating. It's, it's some places nearly starting to get to that high we had about what five six years ago. Fingers crossed that goes away soon. But it's nice to get some football in. And gents, any much much football you got? Obviously, got the big game against Morpeth tomorrow, Chris and uh, yep. Trev and Gaz. What have you got planned over the next couple of weeks? We go to step five tomorrow. I think no six. Step six. Step six. Who's who's that? Wickham uh, Arundel. Wickham Arundel tomorrow. Local derby. Yeah, that'd be good. Um, and I'm sure you'll be going to Barnet because the Glory Hunters only stepping on a train when they're doing well up there. <laughs> Is it all away trips? And when they're winning, and they'll start slating them when they lose again. But you know, it's uh, it's glad to see you. Enjoy. Are you going to any Barnet games in a couple of weeks? No, we've got the girls this weekend, so I'm not going. I could go the following week, but we're playing Wrexham. To be quite yeah. honest, I don't fancy us winning that one. So, yeah. Um, and I was thinking, guys, maybe we need to start thinking about getting this little uh, northern visit together in the next few months and start planning and saving those coppers to see if we can get a nice little uh, little not, visit maybe in the B&B. new year. Yeah. No, it's all about a night in a tune. Yeah, Chris, can, Chris can lead us astray. You don't need a night in the tune to be led astray up here. I can, I can... Yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine a pub in South Shores would be pretty good. Yeah, it's got some good, good, good pubs. And um, the, the town centre isn't what it used to be, but yeah, we can, we can provide some good entertainment. And if yeah. we wait until the new stands completely, be able to see the fully yeah. renovated, you know, the fully when, when's room. that? When's that meant to sort of be done? Uh, well, it was supposed to be done by now, but obviously with COVID, with supplies and everything, um, potentially the seats ready end October. Probably looking at. Um, I would say well, fully up seat, seating wise operational before Christmas without a doubt but the bars the new bars and the new executive boxes you look into the new year I, I, I'd guess but it's getting there it's, so I think I think a new year visit uh, us, us too because Pete will probably be too busy watching Worthing he wouldn't want to miss his beloved Worthing for a game but we'll have to uh We'll have to sort of have a little play. Well, you never know. It could be FA Trophy, South Shields versus Worthing. Wouldn't that be perfect? Well, it would be, wouldn't it? It would, but um, we'll we'll have to start. Big Uh, game, Saturday the 29th of January. Home to to Matlock Town. That's um, a big game. Let's have a little think. Maybe we can try and I can try and bid for that off or something with work, which would be really good. Uh, but we've got plenty of time to save our coppers. So, Trev, get those flex shifts in, upgraded. And Gaz, keep yourself straight. I'll stop spending my money abroad and we'll sort something out very soon. But um, are, anyone else got any, anything to add before we wrap this episode up of 22, the Premier League mm-hmm. podcast? Yes, Chris? We've gone on about the crowds in the Northern League. Um, step, step six, I think. Um, Newcastle Blue Star, big name of old, on the up again, like a Phoenix club, over 900 there on Friday night. Wow. So it's across the board, we're getting these crowds, which is magic, it really is. And disillusionment of football, I think, all around, which so it's great to see, guys. So long may continue. I'm sure we'll have plenty more to speak to in a couple of weeks, but myself, James, Chris, Gaz and Trev, I wish you adieu. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.